0: Thank you for watching today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Happy New Year! Today we're going to start a two-part series called Under the Influence. Everyone has bad thoughts at some point in their life, but what matters to God is what we do with those thoughts. Do we act on them or do we push them aside and focus on the thoughts of God? In this message, we're gonna learn about mind control. Let's take a look.
1: I want to talk to you tonight about thinking the thoughts of God. Uh, So often we have this, you know, his his thoughts are mysterious and who knows what God's going to do, but uh, that is not really what the Bible teaches. So I want to start in Proverbs 23 with verse 7, which says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? So your thoughts are important because as you think, that's the way you're going to move. In fact, people always move towards their dominant thought. The things that, the thoughts that are dominating you, you're going to move in that direction. So the Bible tells us to keep our heart with all diligence because out of your heart, flow the issues of your life. So you've got to keep the right thoughts on the inside. Uh, There's an awful lot of talk today about spiritual warfare, and some people are doing really funny stuff. But spiritual warfare is a real reality. uh, But the way that it's often presented can be kind of strange. But in 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 4, it says, the weapons of our warfare. So as a Christian, the moment you receive Jesus, you are put in the middle of a war. It's in Ecclesiastes 8, and it says, and there is no release from that war. In other words, you, you cannot say to, to the devil, hey, you just leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone. Because he will not. That's right. Right? You might try to leave him alone, but he is not going to leave you alone. Peter said, your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? So we're in this war, and our weapons are not carnal. They're not natural. You can't give the devil a black eye. You can't shoot him with a 37 mag or whatever, .357 mag. Right? They're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, you may not have thought of this, but if you have wrong thoughts, they are a stronghold in your mind, and they keep you from the blessing of God, from the purpose of God in your life. So it says, casting down arguments, every high thing or every thought that that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So really, spiritual warfare has to do with your thoughts. The enemy is trying to penetrate your thoughts with friends family, culture, peer pressure, to do things a certain way, to think a certain way. But what we have to do is every thought that disagrees with the word of God, we need to bring it into captivity. We need to reject it. Um, Almost 500 years, it is 500 years ago now, Martin Luther said it like this. He said, you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head but you can stop him from making a nest in your hair. Every person, uh, no matter how much they love God, no matter how holy they walk before the Lord, is going to have crazy thoughts at times. Everybody is going to have crazy thoughts. Now, it is not wrong to have that thought into your mind, but it is wrong to meditate on that thought. To let that thought build a nest in your mind. Now, in James 1, it actually says this. It's talking about asking in faith. It says, without doubt, because he who doubts, he's like a wave driven by the sea, tossed to and fro. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything of the Lord, for the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we need to be sticking with God's thoughts We can't have a thought going this way and then a thought going that way. The double-minded person who really is not established in what they believe in their thoughts, that person, the Bible says, they are unstable in all their ways, and that person will not receive anything from the Lord. So Isaiah 55, um, when I became the lead pastor here 36 years ago, it was 36 years in January, Um, The first series that I taught was out of Isaiah 55, Thinking the Thoughts of God. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, you can be far from God just by thinking wrong. Now, notice the wicked needs to forsake his ways. We tend to think, well, if, if I'm not doing something wrong, uh, I, I must be in pretty good place. But the Bible says that if you are just away from God in your thoughts, right, that we're in trouble. All right, It said, him, let him return to the Lord, for he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Uh, As the children of Israel are are coming out of Egypt, it's really interesting that God showed the children of Israel a lot of things. It says this, it says, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel saw the things that he did, but they really didn't understand God's ways. And God wants us to not just understand his thoughts, but he wants us to understand his ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and your thought my, my thoughts than your thoughts so the unrighteous man needs to the bible says move away from his thoughts he needs to get god's thoughts and god says his thoughts are so much higher and his ways are so much higher he says it's like the heavens are higher than the earth um, Not very long ago, I was was doing some reading uh, about what scientists are today and they actually estimate that there may be as many stars in the heavens as there are sands in all of the beaches and all of the deserts in the world. And some of these stars are so far away that they are billions and trillions of light years away. So let's just say a billion light years away. So if we got in a car. It went 186,000 miles a second, about seven times, seven and a half times around the world every second. And we traveled for a billion years, a billion years. We wouldn't even be getting there yet. And God says, that's how much higher my thoughts are than your thoughts. So you may think, man, it's just a thought. But you may be missing God by a hundred million or a billion light years, right? And you think, well, it's nothing, it's nothing, but it is huge, right? The wicked forsakes his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and don't return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth now God says just like rain comes down and it accomplishes something it makes the earth bring forth in bud he said that's what my word is like he said and it will not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it so it is God's word that can change the way that we think in fact the real truth is the main purpose of the bible is to change the way we think that's the purpose romans 12 verse 2 don't be like the people of this world but let god change the way you think let god change the way you think he wants to affect every uh, he wants to affect the way we think about our spouse about our kids about our money, about our time, about every single area of our life. God wants us to think like he thinks. And if we let him change the way we think, it says, then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to God. Other translations say that you may know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When your mind is renewed, when you have changed the way you think with God's word, you do not wonder what's God's will right because you will know what God's will is right and how do we know because God's word is his it's his will God's word is his will and he says that that word it goes forth he said it's powerful it's not going to come back void it's going to accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing to which I send it culture family peer pressure friends all sorts of things they're trying to tell us. Give us, this is how, what you should think. This should be your, your, your thought about morality. This should be your thought about your time and entertainment. This should be your thought about money. This should be your thought about marriage. This should be your thought about raising children. But no matter what it is, God has thoughts. Yep. All right. David said it like this in Psalms 119, verse 128. He said, I consider your precepts concerning all things to be right and I hate every false way. So what David basically said is this, God, when you talk about money, you're right. When you talk about marriage, you're right. When you talk about forgiveness, you're right. When you talk about sex, you're right. In fact, God, you're just right about everything, all right? And when you and I disagree with God, he's not changing. David said, I hate every false way. Every way that disagrees with God, all right? So we need to change the way we think. And the Bible is given to us for that purpose. That's um, often referred to as renewing your mind. In fact, in the King James Bible, that's how it's stated there. It's the same exact principle, but it's talked about differently in the book of James. It's the, the wording that's used there is the saving of your soul. The renewing of your mind, changing the way you think, And the saving of your soul are two ways to say the exact same thing right now when when somebody receives jesus we say oh their soul got saved but they're really their soul didn't get saved their spirit got saved right right? and their soul their mind is going to go through a process of being saved so james 1 verse 21 says therefore lay aside all filthiness overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, and now he's talking to Christians, and he says the Bible is able to save your soul. The salvation of your soul, the renewing of your mind, they're the same thing. And basically, what it means, you need to change the way that you think, so that you don't think the way the world thinks. We need to think the way God thinks. Right now, here it uses an, an agricultural term. It says that you receive with meekness the engrafted word. So, you're reading the Bible, and you find something in the Bible that disagrees with what you've been doing, and what you've been believing, and what you've been thinking. So, what you need to do is you need to be meek, you need to be humble, and you need to say, God, you're right, and I'm wrong, right? And then it says you need to engraft the word of God. Now, a horticulturist will go out to a tree and if they want to engraft a new branch into that tree, they first cut that tree. They cut something out, and then they place the new in, and they very carefully wrap it. Right? That's how they engraft. Now, to engraft something new, you have to get rid of something old. That's right. Our old thoughts need to go. And we need to very carefully put God's thoughts in. And we need to make sure that they take. right? That's what the horticulturist does. So, I want to give you a couple examples tonight. 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, Naaman, the captain of the host of Syria, was a great man with his master. He was honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. And he was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive. Out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would God, the Lord my God, he was with the prophet that's in Israel or in Samaria, for he, the prophet, would heal him of his leprosy. So the little servant girl says that to Naaman's wife, and Naaman tells her husband. And Naaman's husband, Naaman, excuse me, goes to the king of Assyria. And says, look, there's a prophet in Israel, and he can heal me. So the king gives him an enormous six thousand pieces of gold, about a hundred pounds of silver, a bunch of clothes, and says, Go. Now, no, notice the first thing that, that Naaman thinks is that he's gonna buy a healing. How many of you realize that's bad thinking? But he thinks he's gonna go and he's gonna buy his healing. And interestingly enough, the first place that he goes is he goes to the king of Israel who does not have a clue and really is not even worshiping God. is worshiping Baal more than he's worshiping anything else. Right? So, so not only did he think he was going to buy his healing, but he went to the wrong place. You know, he was politically minded, and he thought, well, that must be where the, the salvation is going to be. But eventually he ends up at the prophet's house. And uh, he came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger under him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will come again to thee, and you will be clean. So he says, all you need to do, just go down to the Jordan River over here, dip seven times, and when you do, you're going to be healed. But Naaman was furious. He's raw and he went away and he said, I thought. Everybody say, I thought. I thought. Do you know your thoughts can get you in big trouble? I thought surely he would come out and he would stand next to me and he would call on the name of his God. And he would strive, wave or strike his hand over the place and I would recover of my leprosy. How many of you ever thought you knew how exactly how God was going to do something? Surely you thought, but surely you were wrong. All right? So he had this in his mind. This is how God's going to do it. All right? And then he says, well, look, you know, are not the Abana and the Parpar's, the rivers of Damascus, much better or cleaner than the waters of Israel? All right, And he's trying to figure it out. Well, why do I have to do it there? Why can't I just do it someplace else? All right? And how many of you have been to the Jordan River? It, isn't, it yeah uh, not too clean not at all in fact i say we, we were baptizing people a while back and there's this baptismal area and uh, you could see these catfish i mean like somebody's getting baptized like six feet away there's these catfish about this big they're just watching the whole baptismal service big old fish right, but it is dirty water all right? he said why can't i wash in them and be clean and he turned and he went away in rage Why? Because of his thought. And his servants came to him and said, Hey, Father, if if the prophet had asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it. Why don't you just go ahead and do this easy thing and see what happens? So he goes down, he dips seven times, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child, and he was healed but for him to receive his healing he had to forsake his thought and he had to receive god's thought and when he did he received his healing in fact it's interesting he goes back and he still tries to pay for his healing And the prophet says no 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 not going to do that you know one wrong thought about healing can keep you from being healed one wrong thought about deliverance can keep you from being delivered one wrong thought about salvation can keep you from being saved, and I know that's true. Now, I was brought up in church. We went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, went to catechism during the week, and uh, the church that I was in, we, we uh, be- believed that before God created the world, he decided who was gonna be saved and who wasn't gonna be saved, right? We called that Kind of like predestination, God had lined everybody up and went duck, 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 goose. You know. You're saved, you're saved, you're not, you're saved, you're saved. And if you're supposed to get saved, you're just going to get saved. You say, you don't want to, tough, you're going to get saved. Right? But if you want to and you're not supposed to, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to be saved. So I'm 10 years old. Right? I'm, uh, I'm laying in my bed, and I said, God, I just want to be saved. I just want to serve you. I just want to love you. I, I, Lord, save me, save me. I didn't know what to do. I'd never, I had never in my life seen an, an invitation to be saved. Never seen anyone pray the sinner's prayer. I didn't know anything. So I'm laying there, and, and nothing happened. I waited probably half hour. And I thought, I'm one of those people that aren't supposed to be saved. If God doesn't want me. I'm going to hell. Well, I may as well go for something. If I'm going to hell, I may as well deserve it. And for 10 years, I literally thought, I cannot get saved. I'm not supposed to get saved. God doesn't want me to be saved. I'm supposed to go to hell. After 10 years, for the first time, I'm in a little church service. A friend had asked me to go. Otherwise, I wouldn't have went. And afterwards, somebody came up and said to me, they said, uh, did you enjoy the service? And I said, oh, yeah, it was great. Would said, what you like? They said, well, I think I like the music. And... Uh, and uh, they just kept on asking me questions. And, and finally, they said, uh, would, would, you, would you like to be right with God? And I always thought, well, what idiot wouldn't? That's literally what I thought. Who wouldn't want to be right with God? Who wouldn't want to be forgiven? And I said, well, sure, everybody would. You know, but in my mind, I'm thinking, no, you can't. And he opened his Bible to Romans ten thirteen, which says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then read Romans Chapter 10, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart God, raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he said, you want to do that? And it me, mean, it was like a light bulb. When I mean, he said, like, you can be saved right now. You can be forgiven right now. You can be right with God right now. And I said, yes. I mean, boom, we got down on our knees, prayed that prayer. 20, 40, 46 years have come and gone, and that prayer's still working. Still working today. I got saved that night. But you know what? I had one wrong thought that kept me from being right with God. One wrong thought can keep you from being saved. Jeannie and I were uh, missionaries in Mexico for several years. I've told part of this story to you before. Uh, A friend asked me to go up in the mountains to preach to some mountain men and some indigenous people up there and we end up riding some mules for 12 hours. We are 12 hours from the end of the nearest dirt road. And we get up to this village and, and, and literally, we are going up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river, up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river, up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river, and we finally get to this village. It is at the end of the earth. I mean, like a hundred yards later, it's the end of the planet, all right? There's, we are way out in the middle of nowhere, right? So. We're doing church services, but when we're not in church, they're taking us from hut to hut to pray for people. And again, these are, it's a dirt floor. They are stick walls, no mud. You can just see through the walls and thatched roof. And, and uh, there's this man he was on a bed in a house, and he, hadn't, he had been in, in bed for, for months. And they took us over to pray for him. And uh, we said, you know, we, we, we've come to pray for you. And he says, oh, he says, don't pray for me. He said, I have Paul's thorn. And I thought, how did it get here? <laughs> I mean, you know, like, did it ride the mule and go up and down the mountain and cross the river? How in the world did Paul's thorn get here? All right? And uh, in case you're wondering, what, what is that? Well, it says in 2 Corinthians 12, it says, Paul said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelation. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me or to buffet me. All right? Now, now, he's saying, well, I've got that thorn that Paul had. All right? And uh, so we said to him, um, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. All right? I said, uh, first of all, uh, the Bible says here that it is a messenger of Satan. The Greek word is the word angelos. It's only used 188 times in the Bible. 181 times, it's translated angel. And seven times, it's translated messenger, all right? It's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 25, where it says, and you who are cursed go into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Angels. I said, uh, you're saying that you have a demon that's bothering you. And and he said, well, uh, I I guess so. And I said, the purpose of that demon was to buffet him, to buffet him. And it literally means blow after blow after blow. It's the same word that's used in Acts 27 where the ship is caught in a sandbar and the waves are coming and they're hitting it again and again and again. He said, "I I thought it was a sickness. I said, no, 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 no. It was not a sickness. Paul's thorn was not a sickness. You want to know what it was, just look at his life. In uh, Acts 9, they try to kill him. Again, in Acts 9, he's hindered from joining the Christians. Acts 13, he's opposed by Satan. Again, he's opposed by the Jews. In Acts 13, he's expelled from Antioch. In Acts 14, he's expelled and mobbed in Iconium. In Acts 14, he's stoned and left for dead. In Acts 19, he has problems with false brethren. In Acts 16, he's beaten and put in jail. In Acts 17, he's mobbed and expelled from Berea. In Acts 18, he's mobbed at Corinth. At Acts 19, he's mobbed in Ephesus. In Acts 20, there's a plot against his life by the Jews, and he said it like this: He said, "I in labors more abundant, in stripes beyond measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often five times." Of the Jews I received forty stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and deep a, a night and day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, and perils of the Gentiles, in perils in cities, perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, perils among false brethren and weariness and toils, and sleeplessness often, and cold and thirst, and hunger, and fasting often, and cold and nakedness. How many of you know he had problems? Every place he went, there was opposition. It was demonic opposition. The Bible literally says that it was an angel of Satan. It was an angel of Satan. And it came, by the way, because of the abundance of his revelation. By the way, this guy couldn't read. He didn't have a lot of revelation. He'd never read the New Testament. And by the way, Paul went to heaven saw Jesus, came back, and wrote half of the New Testament. And the devil was trying to keep him from being effective in church planting, All right? So we, we talked to him about that, that, uh, that thorn. I remember we prayed for him, and uh, we didn't see any immediate change, but he had been in bed for months. But before we left, he was up and walking. And what he found was, I don't have Paul's thorn. Right, and by the way, anybody who says they've got Paul's thorn, you you need to ultimately you need to get delivered, because the book of Acts ends like this: preaching to them of the kingdom of God, about the Lord Jesus, with openness and boldness, unhindered and unrestrained. Paul was unhindered and unrestrained. Eventually, he got free from that that uh, opposing spirit that came to keep him from being effective. Right? Our, our thoughts can keep us from being saved our thoughts can keep us from being delivered, they can keep us from having peace, they can keep us from provision, they can keep us from healing, they can keep us from the favor of God right? in Acts chapter 11 verse 14 Paul is actually recounting what happened at Cornelius' house an angel appeared to Cornelius and said send men and go bring Peter who's staying in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And here's what he said. Who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved? He will tell you what? Words. Say it out loud. Words. He will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. See, there's a, there, there are words that if you hear them and you believe them and you confess them, you will be saved, right? There's words that bring salvation. There's words that bring peace. There's words that bring favor. There's words that bring breakthrough. And we have got to find what God says about a situation and think God's thoughts. And when we receive those thoughts, there's salvation, there's breakthrough, there's peace, there's provision, there's favor when we get God's thoughts on those subjects. Now, just in closing, If uh, you order a book, and that book comes, and you open up that book, and you start reading that book, you are reading the thoughts of the person that wrote that book. But when you read the Bible, you are not reading the thoughts of Peter, James, and John, Moses, and David, and Isaiah, or Jeremiah. When you read the Bible, you're reading the thoughts of God. And God wants to change the way We think. So it says in Acts chapter 20, it says, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. God's word is able to build you up, to make you strong spiritually, able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. I want to encourage you. uh, Get in the habit every day. Get in the word of God. Let God's Word cleanse you and change the way that you think. Some of you say, well, you know, I just don't like to read. Well, get the New Testament on your phone. Listen to it while you're having breakfast. Listen to it while you're driving your car. Right? But get the Word of God on the inside of you. It will build you up. And it will give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Now, if this message has touched your heart and you've realized, you know, I'm not where I should be with God, or I don't know where I stand with God, I'm not right with God. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that He has for you. Would you bow your head? Make these words your own. Pray this from your heart. Say, Oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe His blood paid for my sins, and I believe that He rose again. And I give Him all of my heart, all of my life. I surrender. I hold nothing back. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. In fact, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have just called on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And if you prayed that from your heart, you are saved, forgiven, and right with God. Now, I want you to keep growing spiritually. And for that to happen, you need to receive good spiritual food. Now, I wrote a book that I want to send to you absolutely free of charge. Right? You can download this book, and it is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. Uh, if you can't download it, you need a hard copy, if you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy absolutely free of charge, right? It is our way to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. I want you to know we love you, we pray for you, and have a blessed day.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking By Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. Walking by Faith is used to change lives all around the world, on and off the air. We would love for you to partner with us and help make a difference in others' lives by logging on to walkingbyfaith.tv give. What a great message. Tune in next week for the second part. Like always, if you're in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we would love to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. We'll see you next time.